time for the 103rd QuackCast. This is called The Light Fantastical. So what would you do if your swimming pool was dirty? If you were lucky enough to have a swimming pool anyway. You'd clean it, of course. But how? Would you take out a few pails of water, treat the water in the buckets, then toss the water back into the pool and declare the pool clean? And what if it were, say, the bathroom that needed cleaning? Would you clean the bathroom by treating a few bucketfuls of pool water? Seems an odd approach to me, but metaphorically speaking, it is the approach used by ultraviolet and the laser treatment of blood. This is a wee bit of weird medical therapy, and I get the occasional, hey, Dr. Smarty Pants, what do you think of this treatment email? One of them was for UV blood irradiation. It is an odd treatment with a peculiar history. Now, ultraviolet light does have many effects on tissues, as a trip to Hawaii can rapidly demonstrate to a pasty Oregonian. I had some impressive sunburns when I went as a kid. In my world, UV is used to sterilize the environment, and UV kills off everything, from MRSA to C. difficile to tuberculosis. At the hospital, we vent potentially microbial contaminated air to the outside, in part to dilute any infection. But more importantly, we know that most pathogens will die when exposed to UV light. We do not use UV light on people as a rule, since it causes tissue damage and we fret about injury to eyes and skin. Back in the 1930s, a physician named Knott, K-N-O-T-T, had two patients, one with a brain abscess and one with sepsis, who he evidently cured by irradiating the patient's blood and returning it to them. I will say here at the beginning of this particular podcast that, to my discomfiture, many of the references I have used are second-hand information. Many of the references are from the 1940s and 50s and are not available on the interwebs nor on PubMed, I did not want the library to be charged for papers that I was not going to be used for direct patient care, and at $15 to $25 a pop, I'm too cheap to get the papers myself. So, a little uncomfortable here, but a lot of second-hand sources. His rationale, Dr. Knott being that his, was since cutaneous tuberculosis can be cured by UV light, this was a discovery that resulted in the 1903 Nobel Prize in Medicine and Physiology. Perhaps other infections would be amenable to the therapy as well. 250 to 300 cc's is the average amount of blood that is withdrawn. It is irradiated and then returned to the patient. Given the mythical 70 kilogram human, that's about 5 liters of blood, which means they were treating about 6% of blood volume which is irradiated usually for about 10 seconds. That hardly seems a sufficient volume or time to treat anything. These studies were most interesting and were all done at the beginning of the antibiotic era, when sulfa antibiotics were really the only commonly used antibiotic and penicillin had not quite yet come into widespread use. The mechanisms by which UV radiation were supposed to work include, one, Bactericidal effects. If they are doing the irradiation for antimicrobial effects, it is really uncertain how they could kill off a significant percentage of infecting organisms, since the bloodstream, if it contains germs, 
usually has much less infection in it than the source, say a brain abscess or a pneumonia. Irradiating the peripheral blood for treating a brain abscess is not unlike the aforementioned cleaning the kitchen by cleaning out a bucket of pool water. Also, if it's a bloodstream infection, again, you're only treating about 6% of the blood and probably not irradiating it long enough to even kill off the bacteria in that part of the blood. It was also suggested that the effect on the bacteria was indirect. There's some very old in vitro data at the time that suggested an increase in phagocytosis of bacteria by white cells of 50% if they're exposed to UV light. But increasing the function of 6% of circulating white cells seems insignificant to me. One review at the time recognized it was not reasonable to credit direct bacterial killing. Quote, those favorable clinical results obtained have been shown to be due to a tremendous and rapid rise in the patient's own resistance to infection rather than to any direct bactericidal effect. Although ultraviolet rays are lethal, no, it's not. Although ultraviolet rays are lethal to all common coxal bacteria. It is not surprising as only 3% of the total blood volume is exposed to ultraviolet light during a blood irradiation. Furthermore, the amount of ultraviolet radiation is not sufficient to directly kill bacteria in vitro, although the patients whose septicemic blood was tested recovered with a rapid disappearance from the bloodstream. End quote. They suggest perhaps it was detoxification. They note that many bacterial toxins, diphtheria, tetanus, botulism, this is amazing, they actually name some toxins, are inactivated by UV light. Since it works in vitro, it should also work in vivo against the many toxins that are made by bacteria. I could find no papers to confirm this hypothesis. Increased oxygenation. Evidently, UV-irradiated blood increases oxygen content, although I cannot find a modern confirmation of this alleged beneficial effect, and how irradiating 6% of the blood would benefit total body oxygenation seems to be a wee bit on the mythical side. Next up in my poorly counted techniques, vaccination effect. A somewhat incoherent suggestion that since UV radiation can lead to immunizing agents, irradiated viruses are not infectious but can elicit immunity, perhaps the same is occurring with UV irradiation of blood. Somehow they thought that UV irradiation was potentializing the antigenic effect of the organisms and allowing the immune system to react more rapidly to the infection, neither of which is legitimate. Well, the first one might be, but certainly not the second. Herpes and staphylococcal furuncles are given as examples where UV irradiation of the blood led to a resolution of diseases by alleged vaccine effect. Since none of the causative agents are in the blood at the time of the irradiation, in the case of the staph and the herpes, it is difficult to imagine how enhancing vaccine effect could occur. One site explains it thus, quote, The UV light concurrently kills infecting organisms, making them antigenic. This means that fragments of the killed infecting cells create a safe, autogenous vaccine-like response. This further activates and directs your immune system to the specific infections your body is attempting to overcome. 
The net result is the induction of a secondary kill of these infecting agents throughout the entire body. Thus, treating only 35 cc's of your blood with UBI induces a beneficial systemic response, end quote. That's not really an explanation. We call that in the game gibberish. If they are doing the irradiation for immunomodulation, as best I can tell, and most of the modern literature I can find for the use of UV light is on the treatment of psoriasis, UV light is, generally speaking, immunosuppressive, which may help modulate the clinical course of sepsis, which is due at times to an overactive response to infection, but really should make all other infections worse. Photosensitization. UV light interacts with never-elucidated molecules and activates those molecules to kill bacteria. They give an example as how acridine, when exposed to UV light, will then be an active molecule that will kill paramecia. This was never validated in any clinical trials or lab studies that I could find. And finally, there were other effects of UV treatment of blood that were thought to be important and real and included vasodilatation, desensitization, sort of the opposite of the vaccine effect, and reduction of edema. One site, get this, suggested that some of the UV light is stored in the blood and then released after it is reinfused to kill bacteria in a burst of intravascular UV radiation. I just imagine little photon torpedoes exploding inside the blood vessels. There was fairly widespread use of this modality after the initial reports. One review in 1949 suggested 60,000 people had received the therapy over the prior 15 years. There were no randomized placebo-controlled trials that I could find, but a number of very impressive case series of very ill patients sepsis, abortion, peritonitis, gallbladder disease, and the acute surgical abdomen. Patient after patient with serious bacterial infections improved when medicine was little better than using stone knives and bearskins. At least on the basis of these case series, it appeared to be highly effective with minimal toxicity for the treatment of many infections, as well as some other diseases, such as cancer, of course, and asthma. And there were no side effects worth reporting. There were many very obvious problems with the papers. No randomized placebo-controlled trials, just anecdotes. And as we all know, the plural of anecdote is anecdotes, not data. But they were an impressive series of anecdotes nonetheless. The studies would make you wonder whether a legitimate effect is really occurring. Of course, the same could be said for internal mammary artery ligation for angina. Until we did randomized clinical-controlled trials, it was thought that ligating the internal mammary artery decreased angina, but in the end of the day, it turned out that it was no better than placebo surgery. It is a worry that most of the literature was generated by three researchers, and many of the case reports were just a wee bit too dramatic, almost at the level of miracle rather than medicine. Quote, botulism, a uniformly fatal condition, was treated by Miley, the patient was in a coma and could not swallow or see. Within 48 to 72 hours of one irradiation treatment, the patient was able to swallow, see, and was mentally clear. She was discharged in excellent condition in a total of 13 days. Sorry, 
I don't buy it. And, quote, results of recovery were a 100% for early infections, 46 out of 47 for moderately advanced, and 17 out of 36 for those who were moribund. Staphylococcus had a high death rate, but those patients were also using sulfa drugs, which may have inhibited the effectiveness of UV irradiation treatments. In fact, when Miley reviewed his data, he found that all the staph failures had been on sulfa. A second series of nine patients, six staph aureus, three staph albus, had 100% recovery rate with one or two treatments when sulfa was not used. When a treatment seems too good to be true, it probably is. These stories are so uniformly positive with no side effects, it doesn't seem legitimate. But I have no way to know without access to the original data. He waxes desperate with imagination. Something is rotten in the state of Denmark. Nor these papers. They just don't smell right. Then the therapy just vanishes in both the medical literature and popular practice, and I can't determine why. There wasn't a seminal study that demonstrated UV irradiation was not infected. Evidently, it was a fad that just vanished, like hula hoops, mullet haircuts, and Uggs. Well, I can wish. Even sites like The Whale, which I would have expected to have some anti-medical industrial complex conspiracy theory, fail to have a good explanation as to why UV irradiation just sort of dribbled off the court. Just that modern medicine came to prefer medications over UV light. I don't know if anybody listening to this podcast has any insights into why, 50 years ago, UV radiation just disappeared. Just because the technique disappeared from standard medicine doesn't mean it is still not used. Multiple machines are available for purchase and appear to run around $5,000. As would be expected in the modern era, now here's modern in quotes, the indications for UV light therapy have broadened and include allergies, lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, Sjogren's, cancer, including breast, colon, and prostate, chronic candidiasis, chronic fatigue syndrome, mononucleosis, MRSA infections, multiple sclerosis, osteomyelitis, pain, peripheral vascular disease, shingles, toxicity, and more. It depends on what website you visit, but this apparently, like many scams, treats everything. And I got a brochure in the mail that at a meeting, you can take an all-day-long course for about $1,000 and learn how to do UV irradiation. So the machine's about five grand, the course is about a grand, and people charge somewhere between $150 and $200 for a therapy. I think you could make your money back pretty quickly under those circumstances. Of course, you're not helping the patient, but that's really not the issue now, is it? Of course, UV is so last century. Now they use lasers to irradiate the blood. They use both a modification of the knot technique, where a laser is in, used in place of the UV light, and there's one hilarious Wikipedia page where you stick a laser in your nose to irradiate the blood passing through the nasal mucosa. Really? Stick a probe in your nose and irradiate your blood that way. Check out the Wikipedia page and giggle. There are a smattering of PubMed papers, mostly out of Russia, 
if you use laser and blood irradiation as search terms. Where the bulk of laser blood irradiation research is done, and the abstracts give me insufficient understanding as to what they are doing. As an example, quote, The authors report a bacteriostatic effect of helium-neon laser irradiation on TB growth. Endovascular blood irradiation used in 25 tuberculous patients induced no side effects. 10-12 sessions relieved the symptoms of tuberculous-related intoxication, reduced the infiltration and destruction, and promoted a biliosis. Laser radiation holds promise in the management of torpid infection and hepatotoxicity induced by isoniazide and rifampicin. The highest effect occurred in infiltrative tuberculosis, end quote. It would appear that they are recapitulating the research on UV radiation from 50 years ago, only now doing it with lasers instead of UV light. Again, no prior plausibility that it would have any effect, no randomized clinical controlled trials. Blood laser irradiation is also used for pre-op and surgery to decrease infections, to treat cardiac arrhythmias, to treat glomerulonephritis, and in all cases that had salubrious effects. Color me skeptical. I wonder what color that would be. That irradiating a small volume of blood with lasers could have beneficial effects on such a wide range of diseases with such disparate pathophysiologies. To date, I think the only wonder drug that works wonders is still bare aspirin. UV and laser treatment of blood, for all the impressive case reports from 50 years ago, is neither tried nor true by the standards of modern medicine and science. And given the complete lack of prior plausibility, any positive effects are almost certainly due to bias in poorly done clinical trials. From basic principles, it appears to be almost the homeopathic application of light. Any clinical effect is more likely from N-rays than from UV or laser rays or sugar rays. And that ends this particular QuackCast. I'll end with my usual plea to go to iTunes and write me glowing reviews. And you can find my growing multimedia empire at moremark.squarespace.com. Otherwise, talk to you later, guys. Bye.